The Mark Stein Show. And now, here's Mark. As I came off air yesterday, guest hosting for Rush, the news broke that Boris Johnson was now in intensive care. So before anything else, I want to say get well soon to the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, uh, or the awesome foursome, as he calls them. Uh, Before his present eminence, he was my old editor at the Specky, my old colleague at the Telegraph. I couldn't honestly call him my old friend. He was social distancing before social distancing was cool underneath the bluff clubbable exterior is a rather private and unknowable person Uh, but his public persona is a force of nature and his election victory last december was better than anything the tories could have achieved under cameron or mrs may he's in the uh, intensive care unit at st thomas's hospital being given oxygen but he's not he's not so we're told, on a ventilator. To see him struggling against this uh, whippersnapper jackanapes of a Chinese virus has been terrible. Um, Boris uh, is fanciful enough to see himself as Churchill, so it's not a good idea to go from uh, we shall fight them on the beaches uh, to the stroke-stricken Winston of the 1950s in nothing flat. Get out of that ICU, Boris, and then for God's sake take a fortnight off. That said... Let us never forget who's responsible for striking him down at this time. The evil men of the Chinese government and their stooges of the WHO. April 7th, 2020. From my house arrest to yours. It's your Stein Show Corona Copia. Everybody was Kung Flu fighting. Those stats climbed fast as lightning. In fact, it was a little bit frightening. Chai comes of expert timing. There were funky China men from funky Wuhan town. They were chopping bats up. They were chowing them down. It's an ancient Chinese dish, and everybody says, delish. Chairman Xi will book your flight, you'll be in Milan tonight, and everybody starts Kung Flu fighting. Okay, that's enough of that. We'll do the full song maybe later this week. Where do we stand this Tuesday? Over one and a third of a million confirmed cases Worldwide, that number's meaningless. America supposedly has a quarter of those cases. That percentage is meaningless. Where can you go to escape it? Uh, Not Saint-Pierre et Miquelon, the surviving remnants of French North America, uh, an island collectivity of the Fifth Republic, uh, nestled just off the coast of uh, Newfoundland. As long-time listeners may recall, that's where I like to go and lie low once in a while. I generally prefer Miquelon to Saint-Pierre. 
and uh, even, uh, in fact, Long Glad. Uh, but over the weekend, uh, Saint-Pierre and Miquelon had its first case of the Chinese coronavirus, a resident of Saint-Pierre. Um, so if you're in the mood, you have to go now somewhere even more remote. Uh, what about in the South Atlantic, the Falkland Islands? No, nope. uh, they have two cases, a soldier and a base worker. Uh, the Comoro Islands, just north of Madagascar in the Indian Ocean, still have no cases, but give it a couple of days. Uh, you need some good news? Well, for the first time since January, China reports no deaths from this thing in the past 24 hours. Wow! Isn't that amazing? It's expanding in all 200 other nations on the face of the earth, but in China it's cleared right up. Gee, that's terrific. Uh, time to celebrate. Let's uh, crack open a magnum of shadow bat and order up the bat tartar, bat meunier, and butterscotch bat sundae with creme bat, bat sprinkles, and a maraschino bat on top. Meanwhile, back in the real world, the flattening the curve uh, the, in Italy and Spain that appeared to be happening over the weekend is looking a little wobblier. Italy's 24-hour death toll had declined on Sunday to 525, but went up uh, on Monday to 636. Overnight, Spain's 24-hour death toll, uh, which had likewise been declining, went up again from 637 deaths on Sunday to 743 daily deaths on Monday, or about double the country's normal death rate. If this is any kind of leveling off, it's a very fragile one. How much mischief can one Politburo wreak? It's not just that China lied about the virus. It's not just that they got Beijing Bob and the WHO to sign off on their lies and announce there was no human-to-human -human spread of the virus. It's not just that in January they began hoarding and preventing the export of all personal protective equipment made in China, but that it now appears that while they're keeping all the good stuff for themselves, they're intentionally sending out defective stuff around the world, especially to Europe and North America. The guy who oversees testing in the United Kingdom now says that not one of the 3.5 million antibody test kits received from China actually works. Hmm, it's almost like the Chicoms are trying to kill large numbers of us, or at any rate, remind us of who we pathetically depend on now to stay alive. Celebrity coronavirus victim of the day, the embodiment of early 80s yacht rock. That was a thing for a while, yacht rock. Christopher Cross has announced he's tested positive for the Chinese coronavirus. He and I go back a ways. Hi, this is Christopher Cross, and I'm with Mark Stein on the Billboard Top 30 show. Here's my latest American hit. Back then, he had big hits with Ride Like the Wind and Arthur's theme. When you get caught between the flu and New York City, did I get that right? Oh, and of course... Gotcha. Soon we will be free. Uh, but could you be a bit more specific? The anthem of Yacht Rock. Sailing takes me away, but not now. No sailing, no nothing. Don't let COVID-19 take you away, Christopher Cross. 
Listeners continue to be divided on whether our Brit Wanker Copper of the Day feature uh, should be extended to Her Majesty's Overseas Constabularies, Brit Wanker in the sense of the 1948 Brit Nationality Act. Um, so we may have to introduce a separate Commonwealth Copper of the Day. In the meantime... Good evening, all. It's your Brit Wanker Copper of the Day. Oh, you got to love the old wartime spirit. There'll be bluebirds over the white cliffs of Dover, but if we catch you looking at them, you're in big trouble. The most useless police in the world seized on their new corona powers with glee to chastise those taking a second non-essential walk of the day or perambulating the pooch around wilderness areas of the Peak District. But if you're turned in by your neighbours to the corona stasi, there is a get-out-of-jail-free card. Just claim that as you were non-essentially strolling down the pavement, some guy in a face mask on the other side of the street yelled, Hey, you're a really unconvincing tranny. This is what the Metropolitan Police posted under the hashtag Stay Home, Save Lives. Because if you do break your house arrest, make sure someone triggers you out there in the great outdoors. Hate crime is when someone commits a crime against you because of your disability, gender, identity, race or sexual orientation, religion or any other actual or perceived difference. It doesn't just mean physical violence. Someone using offensive language towards you or harassing you because of who you are or who they think you are is also a crime. You might want to shrug it off if it happens to you, but if you tell us, we can investigate and stop it from getting worse for you or someone else. Even if you're not sure if it's a crime or not, you should report it so we can investigate. What did he say? Even if you're not sure it's a crime or not? If it's not a crime, so much the better, because in my cheery refrain, in Britain, everything is policed except crime, even in a crisis, especially in a crisis. Well done, Constable. It's important to take the long view at times like these. Get a bit of perspective. We'll do that in just a moment. Can't get enough of America's undocumented anchorman? SteinOnline.com is your one-stop shop for all things Stein. Catch new episodes of The Mark Stein Show. Sit back and experience features like Stein's Song of the Week and Mark Stein's Tales for Our Time. Get the most of Stein Online by joining the Mark Stein Club, a global community of people just like you. The show never stops for members of the Mark Stein Club. Head on over to steinonline.com slash club for details. The Mark Stein Club presents The Hundred Years Ago Show. As Britain and France prepare to divide the Ottoman Empire, Germany breaches the Versailles Treaty, and Japan takes Vladivostok from Russia. It's April 1920. A hundred years from today. World News Update, a year and a half after the war to end all wars ended, the messy aftermath continues, Turkish troops have destroyed the Armenian village of Harunii, including its American orphanage, and the Japanese Imperial Army has seized Vladivostok from Soviet forces, leading to the creation of the Far Eastern Republic as a buffer state between the Bolsheviks and Japan. Just four days after Germany sent troops into the Ruhr Valley in violation of the Treaty of Versailles, French forces marched into Frankfurt and other German cities in a military operation Walter Durante of the New York Times 
describes as the most wonderful ever carried out by one army in another country. Only a day later, France's North African troops from the 3rd Regiment of the Moroccan Goumier opened fire on protesters, killing seven Germans, including three women and a small boy. Germany has appealed to the League of Nations to mediate the dispute, but Germany is not a member of the League and its appeal has been rejected. America may be gripped by a rail strike from coast to coast, but there are alternative modes of transportation in its farthest flung territories. While visiting Hawaii, the Prince of Wales has become the first member of the British royal family to try the exhilarating new sport of surfing. Eight days after the publication of his sensational bestseller, This Side of Paradise, 23-year-old novelist F. Scott Fitzgerald has married 19-year-old flapper Zelda Sayre in one of the most talked-about weddings of the year. Following its triumph on Broadway, the musical comedy sensation Irene has opened in London at the Empire Theatre with Edith Day direct from New York in the title role. The toast of West End theatre-goers, Miss Day is introducing England to the preferred hue of the late President Roosevelt's daughter, a gown of Alice Roosevelt Longworth Blue. In my sweet From a presidential daughter's favourite colour to the man who might be moving into the White House in just seven months' time, President Wilson's wartime food administrator, Herbert Hoover, enjoyed such success in that role, popularising such Hooverisms as Meatless Monday, Wheatless Wednesday and If in Doubt Eat Potatoes, that both parties are eager to make him their presidential candidate. Mr Hoover insists he would not accept a nomination by the Democrats, but in the Michigan primary he easily won the Democrat race and placed only fourth among Republican candidates, well behind Senator Hiram Johnson. The Irish-born Secret Service agent Patrick D. Tyrrell has died in Chicago at the age of 89. Captain Tyrrell is most famous for foiling what he called the damnable plot by Irish crime boss Big Jim Kennelly to steal the body of Abraham Lincoln. Also among the role of the dead this April of 1920 is one of America's most promising young composers. Charles Tomlinson Griffiths, at 35 years old, one more victim of the Spanish flu that has plagued the world for over two years now. 
This is Mr. Griffiths's best-known work, The White Peacock. And that's the way of the world, April 1920. A hundred years from today A hundred years from today Oh, you know what this music means. Mark's Mailbox is on the air. Uh, Kate Smythe is uh, the uh, doyen of the New South Wales branch of the Mark Stein Club and she's had a bit of spirited back and forth with... Uh, other club members about what's going on right now. Kate writes, The proposal to make public health a private choice with grandma self-quarantining while coronavirus cases are allowed to escalate in the community isn't as simple as it sounds with the SARS-2 contagion. At a glance, Sweden's current stats suggest their approach isn't exactly a success including for a few younger people who assumed they were safe. Um, you do you say that, Kate, but actually considering that uh, Sweden is about the same population as uh, greater New York City, uh, it hasn't been overwhelmed with, with the staggering uh, death toll uh, that has emerged in New York City. Uh, Kate continues, If grandma falls over and breaks her hip, goes to the hospital, assuming there are beds available, and catches coronavirus from the party animal 20-year-old who is having his appendix out and spreading the virus around in the process, it's a case of when the system infects you. Uh, Kate's quoting a SARS column of mine from uh, 15 years ago there. This is a much bigger containment problem of SARS-1. Uh, It's also a problem if the asymptomatic 20-year-old infects a nurse or doctor via procedures during which exposure to the virus is augmented beyond that in the community, with serious and potentially fatal consequences for the healthcare worker, if not the spreader. Uh, In the absence of vaccines or at least antibody tests, public authorities have a responsibility to citizens in this regard, because many won't take personal responsibility when it doesn't impact them directly. It's imperative to restart the economy and normal life and liberty as a matter of urgency, which is all the more reason for the West to reflect on the fact that we got our butts kicked by this virus when other nations did not. Throwing ourselves off an economic cliff to control the deadly infection was avoidable, but we're not prepared to admit to our collective failure to prevent it from happening. The next virus might be far more contagious and far more lethal. Grandma and assorted at-risk persons, hospital staff might be dispensable. But what if the next pandemic affects, say, children and young adults? Will reactive lockdowns, which have been notably absent in various well-prepared Asian states, be justified? Or will that too be dismissed as a racket? Is the West going to get serious or just get angry? Uh, You put that very well, Kate. I would like to add to that. Uh, just a couple of thoughts. The the right is positioning itself 
in a very problematic way uh, right now. Uh, one of the things I learned long ago, and one of the reasons uh, I managed to survive in this uh, racket, is that you should always be wary about playing to caricature. The caricature of the right is that ad from a couple of election seasons back uh, in which uh, Paul Ryan's pushing granny off a cliff. Paul Ryan, I've got no use for him. You can say what you like about him, but he didn't actually want to push granny off a cliff. Uh, that was something the left hung around his neck. We're getting dangerously close to saying uh, that to be conservative means you're content to put push granny off a cliff. Uh, so we're beginning to play to caricature. And the next time they want to make an ad uh, showing Paul Ryan or Donald J. Trump or whoever pushing granny off a cliff, they'll have all these sound bites uh, from prominent uh, conservative commentators and callers to prominent conservative talk shows actually saying they're happy to push granny off a cliff. I would say, just electorally speaking, that's a dangerous strategy. One of the differences, as I pointed out, between America and France is that in France, the young vote for Marine Le Pen, the old vote for Macron. It's uh, to oversimplify, it's basically the other way around here. But how many old people have to die from the coronavirus before you've wiped out your electoral majority in, say, Pennsylvania or Michigan? There are things to be annoyed about. There are things to be angry about. But it is fruitless and self-destructive to start saying, oh, well, these people would have died anyway in three months, six months. Uh, you know, some 94-year-old, 87-year-old, 72-year-old, 58-year-old. He's had a full life. Uh, we should just all take our chances. That's a losing proposition for conservatives. Now we're in it. Uh, to be uh, blunt about it, a Republican president doesn't have the uh, luxury of killing as many people as a Democrat can get away with. You will call uh, Clinton and Janet Reno killing everyone in that Waco compound, for example. All kids, by the way. Uh, and if you want a, the New York Times to do what it did after 9-11, start running pages and pages every day, faces of the Trump virus, and they'll be picking out uh, little appealing undocumented moppets uh, who, who were felled by this thing. It's not, it's, it's just a disastrous strategy to stand there arguing in favor of death. You should never be the pro-death candidate. It would have been a fine argument to make in January or early February. But the better argument to make is borders, uh, decoupling from China, because we're in it now. And the, the, the trick here is to be prepared to push when we're out of it, because the left is going to be ready to do that. And they're already trying to paint Trump as the death president. Don't give them the ammo for that. Mark Stein's Last Call. A couple of years ago, my daughter and I visited Longleat House, a great estate in Wiltshire and the ancestral home of the Marquesses of Bath, in connection with the... Uh, some research I was doing. And we had a word with the seventh Marquis, whose mother, Daphne Fielding, was uh, an old friend of mine and a very funny lady. The Baths are not your typical Marquisate. 
As we neared Longleat, my daughter noticed that the road was lined with billboards of huge lions, the lions of Longleat. The house has beautiful grounds, landscaped in the 18th century by England's greatest gardener, Capability Brown, but it also has a safari park. It said that when they applied for planning permission from the county, uh, the council assumed that by, quote, wild animals, the baths meant wild deer and were astounded when the lions started arriving. Surviving as a Marquis in post-war Britain required a deal of wit and ingenuity. Awaiting his inheritance under his courtesy title, Viscount Weymouth was a painter and writer and musician whose artistic endeavours earned him less fame than his ponytail and eccentric hippie-ish garb, and the prodigious number of mistresses installed in estate cottages all over Longleat. He called them his wifelets. But you've had 75 wifelets, as you call them. Yes, most unproductively. I've all been trying to persuade them to have huge amounts of children by me, but I haven't been very successful. Why do you call them wifelets? I felt that it would be running them down to call things like concubines, mistresses. I just preferred a, a pleasantly humorous term that one can all talk and all feel, yes, I'm a happy wife. Lit. And has your wife chosen that? Your, your wife, you don't... No, no, she, she, no, no, these are my values and what I've been trying to do, but... But uh, she has gone along, you've had an open marriage in that she knows about the wife. Yes, she, she certainly knows about it, but I don't suppose she would say she approves of it. She puts up with it. Unlike the wifelets living at Longleat, the actual wife, a Hungarian actress, preferred to spend three out of four weeks in Paris. Their children adjusted as best they could, although a threat by Lord Bath's son to evict the wifelets from Longleat led to the seventh Marquis boycotting his boy's wedding to Emma McQuiston, uh, the daughter of a Nigerian oil billionaire. Emma is best known in Britain as a spirited competitor on Strictly Come Dancing, the British original of what Americans know as Dancing with the Stars. Oh, OK. What did Bruno make of Emma? So that's two votes for Emma and Aliash. If Bruno now votes to save them, they are through to next week. Bruno, who do you want to stay in Strictly Come Dancing? Well, I have to save the couple that's shown Absolutely no mistakes, I have to say. Stronger, cleaner, on focus, Emma and Aliash. means we're going to have to say goodbye to Deb and Diane. Lord Bath was not unknown to TV audiences himself. He sang a song accompanied by his guitar one night on the telly, and the legendary Des O'Connor called him up and said, Have you got any more like that? The Marquis said, sure, and Des got him a recording contract. Every song on the album was dedicated to one of his then-lovers, including one of the Bond girls from On Her Majesty's Secret Service. This song was for the long-suffering missus, Love Words. I who have learned to know you Like the swallow knows its nest Want to bestow you love words I owe you deep from my treasure chest Flowers have scented honey But the savours I like best Are the taste of your night coming Mingled with hearts drumming here on my naked chest In 
was the eccentric English lord, Alexander Lord Weymouth, the loins of Longley, from his 1974 vanity-pressing acid folk album, I Play the Host. The guy had 70 wives, and he lived in a stately home that he painted all the walls himself with murals of his bizarre communal lifestyle. Dead of the Chinese coronavirus at the age of 87, the seventh Marquess of Bath. Emma, from Strictly Come Dancing, is now the first black marchioness in the history of the British peerage. If you go to the Spanish municipality of Cesena, about 20 miles south of Madrid, you will notice that it is not as other towns. Uh, It was the scene of an ill-advised assault by Republican forces against Franco's troops uh, in what was the first use of tanks in the Spanish Civil War. But that's not its most obvious distinction. During the property boom of the 2000s, Cesena became the scene of one of the biggest of all property developments, nearly 14,000 housing units costing over 9 billion euros, which is a lot of money. Unfortunately, the developer, Francisco Hernando Contreras, failed to make provision for gas and water uh, and other utilities because he was too busy bribing the mayor and other local officials to look the other way. As a result, the homes were essentially uninhabitable. Then came the 2008 global downturn and the popping of the housing bubble. Only 3,000 units were sold, and under 1,000 have anybody in them, surrounded by a ghost town of 13,000 empty homes. Entramos en el barrio del Quiñón de Seseña, considerado durante años paradigma de la burbuja inmobiliaria de España. En 2003, el constructor Francisco Hernando, conocido como El Pocero, proyectó construir en estos terrenos más de 13.000 viviendas. Al final, la burbuja se pinchó y solo se terminaron 5.096. Muchas de ellas quedaron deshabitadas. Se llamó la ciudad fantasma. ¿Sigue siéndolo? Francisco Hernando Contreras was long gone hastily relocating himself and his business to Equatorial Guinea. And then he moved back. Dead of the Chinese coronavirus at the age of 74, Francisco Hernando Contreras. As I gazed at the timbered floor, I felt distress at the sight I saw, watching the fingers of fungus grow. Like seaweed clutching a stricken shore And conscious now of the suction slow From hungry fathoms which learn to be up What can't COVID-19 do? Hey, 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 happy campers! Look who's up to his old tricks. That's right. Yogi Bear. It's open season for fun in Jellystone Park. Yeah, what can't COVID-19 do? It's managed to kill off Yogi Bear's girlfriend, Cindy Bear, or at least the actress who voiced Cindy for three decades. Hello, Yogi. How about that? Uh, Talking picnic basket. I said, hello, Yogi. Cindy, 
Oh, uh, what's on your mind? As if it isn't oblivious. Oh, it's spring again. So I've been hearing. It's when boy meets girl, something clicks, and they start sharing everything. Sharing everything? Hmm. I didn't hear any click. It's a time when you whisper sweet nothings in my ear. That I can do. Ooh, Yogi. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. Mm, nothing. And because you're such a sweet kid, here's another nothing for nothing. Oh, Yogi. Julie Bennett started out as a stage and screen actress in the Burns and Allen show, Superman and Dragnet. But she found her greatest success as the voice of enduring animated characters. In the 90s, she traded Yogi Bear for the amazing Spider-Man as Peter Parker's paw put upon Aunt May. Peter! Aunt May! What's going on? Stay back! Dead of the Chinese coronavirus at the age of 88, Julie Bennett. Well, the captain stood in his martyr's pose, forever firing at fictitious foes. In recent years, those countries that have legalized abortion have not merely legalized it, uh, but moved on to criminalizing opposition to it. Xavier Dorr was an embryologist at the Hôpital Pitié-Salpêtrière in Paris and a researcher in uh, cardiac embryology at ANSAM, the Institut National de la Santé et de la Recherche Médicale. But precisely because of his researches, he was opposed to abortion. And so, thanks to a disgraceful French law of 1993, found himself hauled up before the court's every other year. Six years ago, he gave a pair of knitted slippers and a medallion showing the Virgin Mary to a woman considering aborting her baby. And so he found himself charged and convicted of exerting, quote, moral and psychological pressure upon her. La deuxième, donc, j'ai été condamné pour avoir donné essentiellement des chaussons, des petits chaussons à une dame en sortant d'une médaille miraculeuse, à une, en sortant du planning familial. Elle a dit c'est en tant que catholique qu'elle a été choquée. The Court of Appeal eventually overturns Xavier Dor's conviction for this curious crime, but nevertheless fined him 10,000 euros for obstructing an abortion, warned by multiple judges to cease his opposition to a woman's right to choose. Monsieur Dor responded that, Même sur mon lit de mort, je contenerai, even on my deathbed. I will continue. Dead of the Chinese coronavirus at the age of 91, Xavier Dor. Then all at once my dark retreat swells like a melon in the summer's heat. While I floated light with nimble hands, grasping a tiller in the driver's seat. And the roof was hull to a ship that began to cleave the breeze in a wonderland. Psychedelic lyrics by the late Marquis of Bath. 
Best of luck to the wifelets, now that his son is running those estate cottages. Finally, a judicial decision from the High Court of Australia, Pell versus the Queen. The latter, you know, uh, the former is Cardinal George Pell, a close advisor to the Pope and former Archbishop of Sydney and Melbourne. In 2018, he was convicted in the County Court of Victoria of sexually assaulting two boys back in the 1990s uh, and got jailed for six years. He appealed and lost and had one last shot with the High Court. On Tuesday, the Chief Justice and the full bench of the court unanimously overturned the convictions of Cardinal Pell and after 400 days in prison, he walked free. When the highest court in the land does that, it ought to occasion some circumspection in the implied rebuke to those who got it wrong. Instead, Barry Cassidy of the ABC sneered that, quote, the high court has found there was not enough evidence to convict. It did not find him innocent. Uh, He has uh, a uh, problematic grasp of the law. Courts do not find the accused innocent. They are required, however, to prove them guilty in order to deprive them of their liberty. Had Mr. Cassidy actually read their lordship's decision, he would have found that they overturned the convictions because, quote, there is a significant possibility that an innocent man has been convicted. Uh, In other words, there's been a miscarriage of justice. Cardinal Pell has now been acquitted of the charges, which means that the presumption of innocence has been restored. Mr. Cassidy is uh, free to call Cardinal Pell a paedophile if he's that desperate to do it, as I would be free to allege that Mr. Cassidy has sex with wallabies, but there is no judicial decision that supports either proposition. The High Court's judgment is not in the end about pedo-priests. It's about how when a constabulary, when a Crown Prosecution Service, when a judiciary is as horribly, and local media, uh, are as horribly politicised as those of Victoria were revealed to be in their conduct of this case and its initial appeal, that the process is perverted to be beyond any possibility of justice. Victorian officialdom should seriously reflect on that. Instead, a bozo premier, Daniel Andrews, in his official statement, is virtue signalling that he, quote, believes, quote, survivors. Always! Even when they get around to accusing him. That is not the issue. The issue, Mr. Andrews, is the corruption of justice in your state. If you want to convict priests, prove them guilty under the law. Don't fit them up, as they say in England, no matter how many cops, prosecutors, judges and media monkeys are eager to pile on. That's it. We're back tomorrow. Stay safe. Stay free. Join us next time for another edition of The Mark Stein Show. The Mark Stein Show is a production of Mark Stein Enterprises and Oak Hill Media.
rights reserved.